Happy New Year. Welcome to the Eerie First Podcast, the weekly message series featuring Pastor Nicole Schreiber. Today we have one of our staff pastors joining us. Pastor Andrew Rupp is our assistant worship director, as well as a music and art teacher at Erie First Christian Academy. Pastor Andrew is going to examine how we can transform and renew our minds in this new year. Just like when we renovate a house, transformation can be messy and difficult, but when God is with us, we can overcome those strongholds that continue to trip us up. It's a great message and we think you're going to enjoy it. So let's get started today. Here's Pastor Andrew. I'm Pastor Andrew, if you didn't know already. And uh, what we're gonna be talking about today is transformation. Everybody say transformation. Transformation. All right, I'm a little bit of an action guy, so just letting you know ahead of time. Um, So I wanna start with this scripture. It is Romans 12, one and two, probably a very familiar verse. Therefore, I urge you brothers and sisters in view of God's mercy to offer your bodies as living sacrifice holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. Hallelujah. So why does the Bible say be transformed by the renewing of your mind? What's this whole renewing of the mind process? I'm sure that I'm not the only person that has sat in church and someone says this scripture and I really leave without understanding, okay, what does it actually mean to renew my mind? How can I be transformed today because I need to renew my mind, but I don't know how to do it, okay? So we're going to kind of talk about that, but I got a little couple of stories for you. I'm also a story guy, so an action guy, a story guy, so here we go. Um, I heard this story. It's kind of a funny story. There was this 10-year-old girl in the kitchen with her mom. And she was cooking the Christmas dinner, right? So they, you know, they do all the fixings, mashed potatoes, the gravy, the whatever, whatever. They get to the ham, and the mom puts the ham in this big giant pan and cuts the ends off the ham and puts them aside. And the daughter is like, we'll just call her ham student, by the way. She's like, mom, why did you cut the ends off the ham? I'm just curious. And mom's like, that's how we do it. And she's like, but why? And the mom says, well, that's how my mom taught me to do it. I've been doing this for 30 years, and this is how you're going to do it too. And she goes, okay. So later that day at the family meal, they're all sitting down, they're eating. And, of course, Ham's student wasn't satisfied with that answer because you know 10-year-olds, right? She looks over at Grandma and says, Grandma, why did you tell Mom to cut the ends off the ham when she cooked the ham? And Grandma was like, wow. I don't know exactly. That's just how I've always done it. And she's like, you know what? I learned that from Gigi. She looked down at the end of the table to Gigi, and she says, Gigi, why did you tell me to cut the ends off the ham? And Gigi thought for a moment, got real quiet, smiled real big, and was like, you know, I just had a little tiny pan. (laughs) So when she was cooking the ham 50 years ago, she just had a little dinky pan, and now that little tradition has passed down, and now the fourth generation was the first one to say, you know what, I don't like this tradition because the crusty ham from the ends, it's always hard, and I just don't like it, right? And that's the first part of renewing our mind is we have to realize, you know what, guys, there's some traditions that we have that just aren't relevant today. They're just not, okay? 
If we're going to be transformed by the renewing of our mind, we have to start and, and look at things that, you know what, this just doesn't work. Like I'm wearing jeans today. Ten years ago, I would have been wearing a dress, you know, like a suit with a tie, right? But does that tradition say God is holy? Maybe, maybe not. But it's irrelevant today as far as holiness is concerned, okay? I have one more story. This one's a little personal. This is my own personal story right here. So um, going on with renewing the mind. So when I was about like six or seven, uh, my brother, he's 14 years older than me. Uh, his name is Jeff. And he decided it would be funny to scare me uh, quite often, right? Because, you know, that's what older brothers do. And uh, so on the radio station in Maryland where I lived, there was this guy who, who always made this funny story uh, called the Toe Monster, okay? And uh, this Toe Monster, the, the, the guy would get on the radio and he'd be like, the Toe Monster's coming to get you. And, and that's what it sounded like, right? Well, my brother would wait until I fell asleep. He would sneak into my room and he would grab my toes and go, the Toe Monster. And I would cry myself to sleep like, he's going to eat my feet. You know, I'd be so scared, right? True, true story, right? Let's translate now. I was five or six, maybe seven, 35 years old. This is like five or six years ago. I am getting into bed one night and I covered up my feet and the Holy Spirit just, it was, you know how sometimes the Holy Spirit will highlight something to you? So I'm covering up my feet and the Holy Spirit highlights the fact that I'm covering up my feet. And I'm like, why, why does that matter? Why is that important? And he was like, why are you covering up your feet? And I was like, because it's cold. And it wasn't cold in the house. It was the middle of summer, right? It wasn't cold, but I was still covering up my feet. And he asked me again, why are you covering up your feet? And immediately I had this flood of emotion and thoughts from, and memories from that time when my brother used to do that. And here I am, a 35-year-old man with four kids of my own. And I'm afraid that something is going to eat my feet while I'm sleeping. <laughs> Very true story. And so right then and there, I said, you know what? I don't believe this is true. And as, as silly as this sounds, guys, as irrational as that thought and fear was, I actually had to conquer, conquer that. Because as a child, I was terrified of this toe monster. Okay? And so for like the next month, I purposefully slept with my feet outside the blanket. You can ask my wife. She's laughing. That's why she's laughing. I literally purposefully was like, I'm not covering up my feet for nothing. Devil, if you want my feet, you're going to have to talk to Jesus first. That's, what I, that's, my, that's where I stood on that, okay? And the, these are the two things that we're going to talk about today is we have these traditions that are passed down, right? And then we have these irrational, unscriptural beliefs. All of us do. If, if, you, if you had a mirror in front of you, you could be like, yeah, I think I believe that wrong and maybe that wrong. Um, I, I had a friend just today, I heard them say they saw themselves and they were like, oh no. And I think, that, I think that they said, ew, or something like that. And I was like, no, 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 no. See, that's an ungodly belief that we have. When we look at ourselves in the mirror and we're like, oh, I don't like what I see. God loves what, you, what he sees. God loves what he sees when he looks at you. For real, every one of you, me too. 
He loves it. He loves this bald, shiny head. That's how he is. He loves the way he created us, okay? And we have to renew our mind, all right? Now, as I was preparing this message, um, this was like a month ago they told me I was going to get to preach today, and I was like, woohoo! And so I was like, you know, spending a lot of time just thinking about what it means to renew our mind and transformation and all this. And I was hanging out with God one time, and he said, he started highlighting to me my kids and, and uh, being a dad, and, and he was showing me how he designed this really amazing teaching method for all of us to learn from, okay? And here's what it is. It's in John 5.19, and Jesus said, I only do what I see the Father do. Here's this guy, the son of the living God, okay, walking on water, Healing folks, raising dead people, making blind eyes. See, I mean, he's doing all of this stuff. But even he says, I can't do this unless I watch my dad do it first. This is the primary method of our education. When I was a kid, my mom would do this, that, and the other, and I would mimic it. My dad would do this, that, and the other, and I would do the same. So all of us in this room are under this umbrella of example teaching whether we like it or not. You see your coach do something, you're probably gonna do the same thing if you become a coach. If you see your mom, mom or mother in this particular fashion, you're probably gonna do the same thing, right? So when we talk about these ungodly beliefs, man, they're ingrained because we've been learning it since we were born. We have been ingrained in these things. And a lot of, you know, unfortunately, because of the fall, our parents are broken, y'all. Our parents aren't all together, even the best of us. We still make mistakes. We still yell at our kids sometimes. We still whatever, whatever. And that brokenness is learned by example, unfortunately. And so when we talk about renewing the mind, we have to talk about those kinds of defaults that we have. Because we have defaults, right? My mom did it, so I do it. Got to break it, okay? Uh, okay, so let's return back to that scripture. Actually, no, I got one more. Has anyone ever heard someone say, like, like it was a scripture, well, God helps those who help themselves? Anybody ever heard that? It's not in the Bible, y'all. That's not in the Bible. God helps those who help themselves. Is that true? Yes, it's true. Is it scriptural? No. God helps the helpless. I was helpless. You were helpless. We were despicable, unrighteous, wicked people. And Jesus came into the world, died on a cross, and helped the helpless. Come on. He helped us when we couldn't do nothing. All right? That is how Jesus, that's scripture. Okay? So when we renew our mind, we even have to look at those little phrases we say. God helps those who help themselves. Okay, yes, but he also helps the helpless. So get it straight. All right? Okay. Let's go back to Romans 12, 1 and 2. I'm going to read it again. Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Pause. We got to worship. And I don't just mean lifestyle worship, like we worship in everything we do. I mean, you got to spend time with Jesus singing to him. It doesn't just, it doesn't just make him smile. It changes us. All right? Verse two, do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. 
then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is. You know what, guys? When we have the mind of Christ, because we've been renewing our mind and being transformed, guess what? We think like him, and thinking like God is the goal. Thinking like God is the goal. Say that with me. Thinking like God is the goal. Because he, you know what? When he sees a situation, he doesn't see a problem. He sees a solution in disguise. That's how God sees everything. When he sees someone broken, he just sees the need to be fixed. And, oh, I can fix that. No problem. He's like that jack-of-all-trades guy that comes into something and is like, oh, you got this wrong with your car? No problem. Perfect. That's how God works. Okay? All right. So thinking like God is the goal. Now let's take a look at some Greek words. Okay? If you didn't know this already, New Testament was written in Greek. And we're going to take a look at two words real quick. Transformation in the Greek, is metamorphuo, actually means metamorphosis or to transform, right? From one thing to another. Renewing, and this is where we're gonna spend most of our time today, in the Greek is a word called anakinosis, and it means renovation. Everybody say, yay, renovation. <laughs> Anybody ever demolished the house and put it back together or like, you know, did a room, okay? So this picture is gonna come up here, if it's up there yet, okay. Most of us in this room love the bottom space. Am I right? You got that real, oh man, that hardwood floor is beautiful. Oh my gosh, right? We love that space at the bottom, but you know what? In order to get the space at the bottom, you gotta come from somewhere, right? And most of us are at the top right now, sitting in the, in the pew right where you're at. I'm standing here and I have places in my mind that look like that room at the top. Most of us don't like this process because it's uncomfortable, okay? Renovation is uncomfortable. That's just the bottom line. It kind of sucks. It's hard, right? And the reason that it's uncomfortable is because it takes demolition. To get from the top one to the middle one, I got to demolish something. I got to tear down a wall, right? And... Let's take a look at that top wall first, or excuse me, the top um, picture for a second. I'll bet you that the room above that room had a toilet leaking down the back of the wall. Now it's moldy. The, the carpet stinks. It's a little funky in there, right? All these things are wrong with this, this room. Now let's think about our mind. We've had the same ungodly belief since we were 10 years old, and it is messing with us today. This ungodly belief is still a part of us and we're still all messy, okay? But demolition makes room for the new. And we're down to my next point. All right. Um, I just wanted to say, say this real quick. Could you go back one real quick? The demolition makes room. So when I was a kid, my dad left, right? And he left abruptly. I don't even think, I didn't even remember who he was or what he looked like. And I've only sp spent time with him in person once, right? And so my entire life, up until like my mid-20s, I felt worthless. Didn't even know that I felt worthless, okay? But I felt like a piece of garbage. And I acted out of that. And when I would go to worship God and I would come, I would never feel his presence because I felt worthless. I felt condemned. And I didn't even know why, right? And, but in a moment of his presence, just a moment, he changed that. He, he, he brought some demolition to this room in my, my mind. And what happened was, is I'm driving home from Maryland with my wife. I'm driving, which is probably not the safest thing. 
But I'm driving, my wife puts this in this Rita Springer CD, and In Christ Alone comes on. It's an old song. And I, man, three words in, I just started weeping. No idea why. I was weeping. And she was like, Do you want me to drive? Like, are you okay? And so we're on the turnpike, and I'm sobbing. Like, I mean, you know the ugly cry, you know what I'm talking about? Where you, you don't want nobody else to see the ugly cry. I'm not gonna demonstrate because it's ugly, right? I'm crying, snot's flowing. And all of a sudden, the Holy Spirit in this moment speaks to me and says, you're not a piece of trash to me. And that wrecked me on a deeper level. I mean, it, it uprooted something so deep. And then I started weeping even more. And then my wife was really worried, right? But God was healing me, and it was a moment of demolition in his presence. But it wasn't just a moment. It, it's not like, I don't want to paint this picture like, oh, God will do it all in a moment. He can, but you know what? It's the moments that I spend in his presence daily. When I wake up in the morning and I just say, God, I just thank you for your love. God, thank you that you love me. And I feel his presence every day of my life. And he speaks to me every day of my life. Then when I'm in a moment like that and God, is, he's just able, he's willing to boom, pop in. And I don't even, I'm not even thinking about him, right? And here, here this demolition happened in a moment in his presence, but it's because I have a lifestyle of spending time with him, okay? So the next one, messy mind, messy emotions, limited and bound. That's what, that's what we have here. So when we have a messy mind and a bunch of stinking thinking, what happens is, is that stinking thinking produces toxic emotions. You know, sometimes we can be irritable, but when you're irritable all the time, you gotta renew your mind. Sometimes we can be depressed, like, you know, it happens, right? Something really traumatic happens and it shakes your faith a little bit and you kind of get sad. But if that stays, you got to renew your mind. If you can't get out of it quickly, there's something that it's connecting to in you and you got to deal with that, okay? Um, we're going we're gonna to really focus in on demolishing strongholds as well, Okay? Raise your hand if you've heard the, the term stronghold. Probably all of us. It's a military term. It's also a biblical term. Okay? But the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but, or, excuse me, they're not carnal, they're not of the flesh, but they are mighty through God to demolish strongholds. They're mighty through God to demolish strongholds. Okay? Now, again, in the Greek, I looked up this scripture in the Greek, and that word stronghold, I'm not going to try to say the Greek word, okay? But it, what the definition was in the Strong's Concordance is anything on which one relies. It's something that you trust, right? So in, a, in an army situation, the stronghold is where the army hides, or they have this stronghold where the enemy, it's very difficult for the enemy to break through the stronghold, right? But in our minds, this is what it is. This is the other definition in the Strong's. Of the arguments and reasonings by which an opponent endeavors to fortify his opinion and defend it against his opponent. Basically, what this means is, is the enemy builds an argument in your mind. So when you're a kid and you get abused or you get neglected or you get left behind or you get forgotten or you're unseen or you fill in the blank, whatever your thing is, in that moment, the devil sees, like it's his goal to sneak in and speak. Because the devil has no power, y'all. Did you know that? Anybody? The devil has no power. 
We, we give him a whole lot more credit than what he's worth. He's smart though. And he speaks when we have a wound. So I'm gonna do a little demonstration right here, okay? So I have on this ripped up, torn up piece of paper, trauma, forgotten, neglect, and abuse. This is our wound. So that happened when you were a kid. Happened to all of us in some way or fashion. Some are worse than others. But then the devil comes in and he says, well, you're abandoned. And he puts this piece of this stronghold and he starts building this stronghold in your mind. And so now you feel like everyone's going to abandon you. And it starts to become a part of the way you think. And then once you start believing that one, he says, well, you're rejected. You know, you're, you're a piece of garbage. You're worthless. And he comes in and he does it again. He puts in another one. And then all of these other ones, you're worthless, you're unseen, you're forgotten. Oh, look at all that shame you have. Man, you're so despicable. You're less than, you're ill-equipped. You, you ain't got what it takes, man. You're hopeless, insignificant. And guess what? By the end of the day, and usually this takes years, you have this wound that you don't even remember what it was, but now you believe all of these lies because you were forgotten and you had some, some kind of abuse or whatever. And this is what's in your mind. This stronghold is built by the enemy and it's an argument. That's all it is, guys. It's not this complicated. It's not actually physically wood. Y'all don't have any wood in your brains, y'all. I'm just letting you know, okay? It is literally an argument. The, the devil has convinced you with an argument that you're hopeless, you're, you're, uh, you'll never fit in, you're insignificant. He has convinced us of that. That is what strongholds are, guys, and this is why we have to renew our minds. If we don't renew our minds, we're stuck. Because guess what? Every one of us in here could say, I got this issue. Yeah, I do this. I steal candy bars. Maybe you're a kleptomaniac with candy bars. You go to Walmart and you're like, oh, I got to have this candy bar. You know what I'm saying? Maybe that's you, right? But the point is, is that strong, that thing, whatever it is, if it's porn, if it's stealing, if it's lying, it doesn't matter what it is. All it is, check this out. Under this stronghold, this wound becomes a root. It becomes, it becomes a growth place for a root, and the root turns into a tree, and the tree grows leaves and fruit. So the, the things that you're struggling with, they're just leaves on the tree. That's it. Just leaves on the tree growing from that wound that you don't even remember what it was. I didn't know that I felt like a piece of garbage until God spoke that to me. But when he did, and here's, here's the hope of the gospel, when God speaks a word, a rhema word, an on-time word, it just goes, and I would, but that would be really loud and noisy, and Jason would probably be like, don't do that again, okay? But you get the point. Like, if I were to just brush this away because God spoke right to that root, the problem is, is most of us, we don't want to, I don't know where that picture went, but we don't want to go through the demolition process because it's, it's painful. I don't want to face that pain. I don't want to face that hurt. You probably don't either. But guess what? If you want freedom, face it. If you want to be free from that addiction, whatever it is, you fill in the blank. You got to face that pain and you got to say, you know what? Lord, heal me. Okay? Now, as, again, as I was preparing this, um, God spoke this to me about how we deal with these strongholds. And it's really simple. He said that, in order to demolish the strongholds and renew your mind, you love on Jesus, 
and you declare what he has said. That's it. It's that simple. If I go into God's presence with a hurt and I'm willing and open for him to face that pain, whatever that hurt is, he will speak to it. I will weep probably because I weep a lot when I do that. And then I laugh usually um, because it feels good to get it out. You know what I mean? But if we love on Jesus, see, here's the thing. And this is, I'm jumping ahead, but the presence of God softens our hearts, man. The presence of God, it makes our hearts mushy. And that's how, that's how we need to be when we need healing is we need to let our heart be softened. You know what I'm saying? In the Old Testament, and I didn't put this in the notes, but in Ezekiel, he said that I will give them, I will take the stony heart and I will give them a heart of flesh. Well, you know what? That stony heart, this is what it is right here. It's just this wound covered in all these lies. The enemy's clever. He knows that strongholds work and that's why he uses them, Okay. All right, so I'm kind of jumping ahead here. So there are several ways that we deal with these, and I think that each of these are equally important. I got four of them, okay? Um, I do want to say this scripture real quick. 2 Corinthians 10, 4 and 5. The weapons we fight with are not the weapons of the world. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. We demolish arguments. Everybody say, I demolish arguments. And every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. We wage war on these things by loving on Jesus and declaring what he has said. Okay? So, point number one of how to deal with strongholds. We've got to read the word of God. You've got to read it. If you don't read your Bible daily, you're missing out. Because there is this really awesome guy named Jesus, right? And he came and he died for us and he wants us to be amazing like him. And the only way to get amazing like him is to spend time with him because that's how it works, okay? So I want to read this scripture. This is how God brought this to life for me, okay? John 13, 6 through 10. And it's kind of off topic, but it, it works. Watch. He came to Simon Peter who said to him, Lord, are you going to wash my feet? And Jesus replied, you don't realize now what I'm doing, but later you will understand. No, said Peter, you shall never wash my feet. Jesus answered, unless I wash you, you have no part with me. And I think most of us at this point would say what Peter said. Well, then, Lord, not just my feet, but my hands and my head as well. And Jesus answered, those who have had a bath need only to wash their feet. Their whole body is clean and you are clean. And then he goes on to talk about the betrayer. Okay, but I want to focus on this. Those who have had a bath need only to wash their feet. Did you know that your feet are what's connected to the earth? Right? So right now, I'm connected to the earth by gravity, and my feet are what's actually touching the earth. In the spiritual context, your soul and your flesh are what's connected to the earth. And when Jesus, like literally, it jumped off the page, and God spoke to me and said, those who have had a bath, Raise your hand if you got saved in here. You accepted Jesus. You've had a bath. You have been washed in the blood of Jesus. So if we've had a bath, we need only to wash the thing, the feet, that is connected to the earth. So I need to read the word consistently, daily, every day of my life to be washed, to clean that soul. Because, man, sometimes you watch something on TV and you're like, ugh, right? 
Or you, you, you hear someone swearing when you're walking into the store and you're like, ugh, right? All that kind of stuff happens and we need to wash that stuff off. Got to wash it off, okay? The second thing that we need to do to deal with these strongholds, we need to dig into the scriptures like it's our job and find the verses that deal specifically with the issue that we're facing, I got I to gotta get my shovel out and I got to dig into them scriptures and find the scripture that's dealing with an ungodly belief that I have. Here's a couple examples, okay? Ungodly belief. I can't have peace with God because I keep doing this stupid sin. Romans 5.1, having been justified by faith. Everybody say past tense. Past tense. It's past tense. Having been justified by faith, I have peace with God through my Lord Jesus Christ. And let's pause right there. Righteousness, this whole concept of being made right with God, right? We have our righteousness and our right standing outside of what we do and what we don't do. But this is the most common ungodly belief in the church and in the world. You've heard people that weren't saved say, man, if I go to church, I get struck down with a lightning bolt, right? You heard, everybody ever heard anybody? Maybe it's just me. I talked to somebody at work. Hey, you should come to church. And they're like, well, if I, I think I'd die right walking in the door, you know? So, um, oh, lost my, lost my thing. Okay. If, if we have this righteousness that God paid for, right? So if, if we had a cross right here, which I'm not going to build one, if we had a cross right here, and we were doing the demonstration that Jesus paid for our sins on this cross, right? Then why do, you, why do we tend to think that it's so easy to lose this righteousness? Anybody else feel that way? It's like, oh, I stole that candy bar again. I'm not righteous. Darn. Man, that sounds like a real flimsy gospel, y'all. It's too easy to lose my righteousness. That's just like, it's like my gospel. I'm holding on to it like this. Oh my gosh, I better not drop it. Oh, oh. No, the gospel is finished. It's a finished work. The gospel is finished. And we are righteous by the blood of Jesus and not because of what we do or what we don't do. I can't be righteous by following a list of rules, guys, and neither can you. But the blood of Jesus can make us righteous in a moment. So let's stop thinking, oh man, I, I sinned again, I must not be righteous. And then we come to God and we're like, oh Lord, I'm so sorry. He's not even thinking like that. He's like, oh, thank you for coming to me. You know what I'm saying? Like he's just excited to see us. Every moment, every time we come into his presence, he's like, yes. Now I get to change him a little bit more. I get to do some glory in the earth, hallelujah. That's how God thinks. He's not like, oh, man, he stole that candy bar again. What am I going to do with this boy? That's not what he's doing. Okay? Here's another one. Ungodly belief. I just don't have what I need to live this life. But the truth says, Ephesians 1.3, praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. Every one of them. If you feel like you're insignificant or you don't have what it takes... He blessed you with everything that you need to do this life. And I, and I love the verse in that song. It said, um, faith is the song that conquers the storm in me or that quiets the storm in me. You, if we don't believe it, it's, it's just words on a page. But it's the second we mix faith with the word, boom, 
That's when life happens, okay? Last one, ungodly belief. God condemns me when I sin. Romans 8.34, love this verse. This is the New Living Translation. Who then will condemn us? No one. For Christ Jesus died for us and was raised to life for us, and he is sitting in the place of honor at God's right hand pleading for us. So if he won't condemn us, I'm not going to condemn myself either. I just made up my mind. And this is renewing my mind. Because I know that when you, know, when you make a mistake, it's the automatic response to condemn yourself. Because that's how we're programmed as kids. You know, parents are, are in the right way correcting their children. But then as adults, we think that we are constantly need correcting and we're, we condemn ourselves. We don't need to do that anymore. Romans 8.34, NLT. It's awesome. Point number three, okay? Worship Jesus as often as possible. I am not talking about worshiping as a lifestyle because there is a point to be said about worshiping as a lifestyle. You worship God in everything you do. You live in the truth, right? You don't lie because it's worship. You don't do this because it's worship. Not because you're trying to get righteous. You see the difference? If I believe I'm already righteous, I'm not gonna do these things to be righteous. I'm gonna do them because I love Jesus. And that's, what, that's the hang-up that most of us have, is that, that little tiny thing. If I, if I do this, I'm, I'm gonna be righteous. No, if you do this, you're just showing, hey, I love you, Jesus, okay? And I've heard people say many times over these words. Well, sometimes you won't feel God's presence when you worship him. I disagree. Every morning I wake up, all throughout the day, if I just simply acknowledge his presence, I say, God, I acknowledge, like even right now, just talking about it, I can feel God's presence. I can feel his love and his delight for me. But I wasn't like that always. And one of the turning points for me was this right here. God, I was coming to worship God. It was the morning. It was like, you know, 730 or whatever. And I was spending time with God and and I was worried. And I didn't, I felt nothing. I heard nothing. And I was like, Lord, what is going on? And he was like, how about you get rid of that condemnation? That's all he said. Clear as day. And I was like, what? So I like, I, I mean, I'm an action guy. So I literally went like this and I said, I take this condemnation off. I've been washed in the blood of Jesus. Immediately, boom, I'm in God's presence again. We can feel his presence because we're his children. Come on, somebody say, I am a child of God. And my dad will never leave me nor forsake me. Okay, and the last one. And this one is also difficult for some of us. Um, Discipleship. Discipleship. In discipleship, it is, there's three points in discipleship. There's three ways that discipleship works for our benefit. Okay? And all three are equally necessary. If you don't have one, the other two are shaky. Okay? And here's what they are. We need an example to follow. We need someone to keep us sharp, someone who's on the same level. And we need to be an example. When I'm following, when I'm getting mentored by someone and I'm asking questions about, man, how do you keep your marriage so nice? How do you treat your kids so nice? They seem so well adjusted, blah, 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 blah. I'm growing from that example. I'm watching them, I'm emulating. And then I have someone that's right in line with me and we keep it running together. 
Hey, man, did you pray this morning? No? Well, what's, what's wrong with you, man? Come on. Right? You keep each other sharp. And then by doing those things, someone is going to follow you. Now, parents, lucky you, people are already following you. They're called your kids. Okay? Me too. I have four of them, and they're following me. And I'm not always a great example, but guess what? I keep moving forward because I know that God forgives and he helps and he comes in to, to make things right when we, we foul it up, right? Okay. I just have a question. And if everyone could close your eyes for a moment, I'm just gonna ask this question. I'm gonna play a song, but I wanna ask this question. Has any of this, and you don't have to answer out loud or raise your hand, has any of this spoke to something in your heart? If any of this has spoken to you, I want you to just receive from God right now because he loves you. He loves me. He, he is in this room and he is rich in love, slow to anger. That's the God we serve. And I'm gonna sing this over us as a declaration. Yeah. 
what you say about us. We receive your word. We receive what you say about us, God. And I pray, God, as we leave this building, that we would have renewing the mind on our hearts all week. In Jesus' name, hallelujah. Love y'all. Have a great week. Thank you for listening to the Eerie First Podcast. We'd love it if you'd give us a rating and a review on your favorite podcast app. Subscribe so you never miss a message and share it with your friends. You can follow Eerie First on Facebook or Instagram or visit eeriefirst.org for all our latest news, announcements, and information. Thanks again for joining us. We'll see you next time.